Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode 102 entitled 9-11 to COVID-19 lies, deceptions and the rise of the new world order. Now of course this episode is being published on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 so that is as good a time as any um, to talk about uh, the historical um, prescience of the event and how it relates to um, COVID-19 and just to explore um, some of the connecting themes and narratives on the 20th anniversary and how these two events, um, rather than being uh, two separate happenings, shall we say, are intimately linked and they really sort of represent uh, bookends, if you like, as to the beginning and ending of a process, really, and I don't say this lightly, to completely enslave humanity, hence the use of the world, the new phrase, the new world order, which we're all very familiar with by now. So I just want to pause for a moment before we get into today's uh, discussion and just um, just to remember, just to recall um, those poor people, those poor souls who who lost their life on that tragic day 20 years ago, because I think um, when we get when we over the years, perhaps like me, you've done lots of research into 9-11. We've down we've been down many uh, 9-11 conspiracy rabbit holes and looked into the politics, the geopolitical political situation. I think we can lose sort of like um, the human aspect and the fact that a lot of people died and, and suffered on that day. So perhaps once you've listening, listened to today's um, episode, it might be good to just sit and yeah just sit and reflect and reflect and yeah have a little pause for a moment so onwards and upwards yeah so it's going to be a, a real meaty episode today as you can imagine um talking about 9-11 and covid but hopefully by the end of today's episode you'll have um you'll, you'll would have gained a little bit of an insight as to how, as I was saying uh, um, just a moment ago, how these two seemingly um, unconnected events are intimately linked and, and what they represent really in terms of human history and um, the type of events, this kind of political events that have transpired um, during the uh, last 20 years. Now, of course, um, events like uh, 9-11 and covid are long in the planning and they perform part of an extremely nefarious evil agenda with with the goal of establishing a new world order and i don't use those words lightly of course and it's all about um creating fundamental changes within society and what it means to be a planet sorry get it right way around what it means to be a human being on this planet there we go and of course um since the start of the whole COVID-19 event, we've heard the phrase, the new normal. Now, if you think about it, uh, if we think back to um, 9-11 and this idea of a new type of society, really, um, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, we had this phrase that came to the fore of the war on terror. And this spoke of um, a kind of a new society, society whereby uh, Western powers had to go to war um, to protect our way of life in, in the West, to protect us from the bogeyman terrorists. Now, some of you might be aware of this idea um, of creating a sort of um, continual war uh, within the world which which is um, we've seen in the Middle East since 9/11 and I believe that was um, one of the justifications or motiv motivations for 9/11 and those who planned the event I don't think we'll ever know we might have our suspicions about who planned it was to create um, to create a justification for all these wars in the Middle East yeah, and you might be familiar with uh, a very well-known author and essayist. Uh, Gore Vidal, who wrote a book called Perpetual War for, for, 
for perpetual peace and he spoke partly about this process and also his book uh, speaks to this idea whereby western powers um, not just um, since 9-11 and up to the current day have always looked towards um, crea creating enemies in foreign, in foreign lands and fighting wars against foreign enemies in order to hide the fact that in their own home territory, in their own political situation, they're bringing about um, new impositions and restrictions upon personal liberty and freedom. So in, in other words, part of uh, attacking countries um, abroad, and since the war on terror, that's mainly predominantly, of course, uh, been in the Middle East, um, it's almost like a smokescreen, a, sp a smokescreen, I should say, to hide what's actually the nephrous um, political activities uh, what's going on at home. So what we've seen since 9-11 is, um, and this has really accelerated since the uh, implementation of the war on terror, is limits placed upon our personal freedoms, um, which are commonly in the media and through political narratives represented in a way that they are just an inevitable consequence of random global events and happenings, meaning that freedom must be sacrificed on the altar of security. Now, that for me is like the backstory uh, as to the global political situation since 9-11 and has been starkly accelerated, of course, since COVID-19 um, reared its ugly head. So during today's episode, I'm going to explore, really, how this situation has been achieved in the 20 years since 9-11. And also what we've seen in terms of um, the rise of big tech companies as well. Because um, that's some, another process that we've seen um, during the 20 years since 9-11. So, yeah, if we return to the immediate aftermath of 9-11, of course in the United States... We had new draconian legislation, uh, we had the Patriot Act, and um, terrorism became the new global, global bogeyman to be defeated. And the world, of course, after 9-11, was completely haunted and traumatised by the images of the Twin Towers falling in re real time on that day. And uh, many of us, many, many millions, if not billions of people, we, we watched it on a loop. So it was seared into our consciousness, those towers exploding and then falling, um, falling to the ground. And that's had a deep psychological impact on, as I say, the population of the world. Now, if we fast forward 20 years, the same process is occurring due to all the draconian COVID lockdowns and measures restricting our freedom. Now, there's one key difference between the psychological trauma and the impact it's having on the global population. Now, it's important to remember that um, this psychological trauma that we're seeing with COVID is, is being equated to World War Three and a war on consciousness or a spiritual war. And it's something I've spoken about at length on, uh, on DC. Um, during this year, uh, speaking to a lot of great people, uh, interviewing a lot of great people, and we've discussed these issues. So if we return to 9-11, in my opinion, I believe that 9-11 was partly orchestrated in order to soften up the population of the world to accept even, great, even greater infringements on all our basic civil liberties. It was really a staging point or the starting gun, if you will, for the final phase of the New World Order, as mentioned by President Bush Sr. And I believe that was back in 1991. He made that famous speech, which for many years has been doing the rounds on many conspiracy-based websites, or should I say conspiracy truth now? It's hard to tell, isn't it? Where he mentions um, the coming into view of um, a New World Order. It's important also to consider um, that it wasn't just about since um, 
since 9-11, it's not just been about the control of the world's population through infringements on our basic freedoms and civil rights, but it's also been a continuation of the concentration of wealth and resources in the hands of a small power elite. Because, of course, um, some of you are probably well aware of the financial shenanigans that went on um, that were at play during 9-11. I'm not going to go into discussion of that now. Uh, and um, a lot of very dodgy deals that were taking place and movement of many billions, if not trillions of dollars, a massive wealth transfer uh, that was happening to a very so-called uh, small shadowy, shadowy elite of uh, elite group of people. So there was that aspect of um, happening within society as well. So after 9-11, what we saw within society, and I noticed it also when I first got into um, looking into alternative histories and various conspiracies going down various uh, rabbit holes was a massive, one of the first things we saw was a massive increase in surveillance technology. Just in our day-to-day -day lives, we saw more cameras at parking lots, you know, cameras in schools and colleges, um, traffic enforcement ca cameras. In all types of public spaces, there was this massive drive, and here in the UK, um, a massive expansion of um, speed cameras, traffic cam uh, cameras. And also, of course, we saw massive uh, expansion of airport security. And then after um, the so-called shoe bomber, you might remember a chap called Richard Reed, who allegedly was going to blow, he had explosives in his shoes. We had uh, the ignominy or the shame of having to remove uh, all our belts and shoes uh, before going through the uh, metal detectors. And again, one can think that that does speak to some sort of ritual humiliation for air passengers. Uh, and also in more recent years, we've seen restrictions on carrying liquids and limitations on the types of liquids we can carry on board planes. Now, this idea of ritual humiliation of removing our belts and shoes, of course, that links into a lot of the uh, kind of gaslighting around uh, COVID restrictions and measures in terms of uh, wearing masks and the ridiculous charade of social distancing. So we can see how these two aspects um, were, were are linked. So these types of measures um, have been slowly introduced over time. So much of the public really haven't noticed, um, haven't really noticed this slow, steady creep of a type of authoritarian, tyrannical type of governance. And they were generally regarded during the post-9-11 period, um, these um, kind of rules and restrictions supposedly, supposedly put in place to thwart another terrorist attack. They were generally regarded as being prudent and measured responses to the threat, so-called threat of global terrorism. So the mass of the general public didn't really see them as being particularly invasive. I think we might have uh, viewed them slightly differently, of course, but the difference with COVID, um, since the COVID-19 event, what we've seen is measures pushed through very quickly and very blatantly, really. Uh, extreme authoritarianism um, with no attempt to create a kind of passive acceptance amongst the general population by making the changes seem inevitable. And uh, as I was saying, they really are right in our faces and yet... In the immediate years after 9-11, there was an attempt uh, by the elites, by the controlling powers, to move society towards more types of authoritarian rule. But it was about doing it sort of intergenerationally, um, so that the public didn't really even notice. And what we've seen with COVID is a complete shift to its real in-your-face tyranny. And we've all... We've all um, We've all noticed that, and that's led many um, researchers and commentators in the alt media to say it's almost like the planners of this event, COVID-19. It always seems as if they are um, acting out of desperation and that they appear to be in a panic mode. And they've got a, a window of time to work towards, and it's, it's closing very, very quickly. Yeah, and that they seem to be 
running out of time to uh, to achieve their main objectives, which is appears to be to enslave humanity in some sort of um, technocratic AI world economic forum inspired technocratic gulag, um, which which we're all kind of uh, very much well aware of. But um, more and more people are waking up to the truth of um, during this COVID period, how and why we're being manipulated by hidden forces and explains more and more about how society is controlled and manipulated to accept changes that lead to less and less personal freedom. So obviously in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, the internet, if you think back to the internet, and the development of the internet since then. It was very, very different 20 years ago. Uh, and it's given us incredible access to knowledge and information and the ability to connect with people across the world. But this is something, this is an opinion that I have. It's shared by some other uh, researchers and uh, commentators in the old media, and perhaps yourselves. And it's important to state that I believe there's an aspect of the internet that is a trap. There is a trap that we're being uh, corralled into a reliance upon big tech, big tech companies who really are the enemy of humanity, as we saw during the recent US election. And as we've seen since the COVID-19 uh, event, how they um, basically are, they are our enemy because they shut down any discussion that goes against the mainstream narrative. They've demonetized many um many researchers, their platforms, their YouTube platforms. And yeah, they've removed their ability to earn income and monetize their content. It really is disgraceful. So if you think about it, we really are in, we are uh, in a bit of a bind up shit creek because I mean, I'm using big tech here, you know, to, um, to record my material. And we all, when we research and gain all this amazing knowledge, we're all using the big tech, the internet, of course. So we love the convenience, but we are living in a type of a technological gulag or prison because at the end of the day, we're completely dependent on forces who ultimately do want to enslave us. So, you know, and have you probably also noticed in recent years, again, since the COVID-19 event, how everyone seems to be addicted to their smartphones. You must have noticed people driving on the roads and freeways and the amount of people looking down periodically whilst they're driving, obviously looking at their smartphones. So we have a real, real problem of um, addiction to the internet through the through um, through smartphones. And the internet has become, although the internet has become, you know, a lifeline for billions of people, it can be a trap to focus or to concentrate all of our consciousness uh, onto the internet. And also, what else we've seen is in recent years, of course, is the development of apps. And this has meant that a lot of the population were already primed for the in introduction of things like in the UK, we had the test track and trace for the Rona, nice alliteration for you there. And of course, the dreaded COVID vaccine passports that seem to be rolling out across the world at the moment. So they were, um, so already the general public were used to um to used to using apps so here in the uk when they rolled out the nhs national health service app a lot of people shall we say unthinking people perhaps i'm being unkind i don't know were used to using that technology so they didn't see it as some sort of infringement on their personal liberties but what we've definitely seen in the last 20 years is that all of these technologies have accelerated massively as i say since 9 11 when the internet was still in its infancy. And why am I talking about the internet in this context of 9-11 and COVID is because our reliance upon the, the technology, I believe is certainly no accident and was probably well, well planned and well established before COVID. And I believe that even 10 years ago, they wouldn't have been able, uh, the planners of this, they wouldn't have been able to, to get away with this COVID event. So we can see how the timing of um, 20 years uh, between COVID and 9-11 and is, is extremely um, important and it's no accident the way in which um, the internet has been, has, been, um, has been developed during that time. 
and I'm sure um, you know when they were uh, planning at what time or uh, when it when they were going to pull the uh, pardon the pun pull the uh, COVID event that they've timed they seem to have timed it to perfection with with regards to the development of the of the internet and it certainly wouldn't have been possible in the immediate aftermath of 9-11 so if we focus upon some important uh, connecting themes what you have with events like 9-11 and the COVID-19 is it creates mass compliance amongst the general public especially when they are faced with an external enemy whether real or not so of course in the case of 9-11 it was Islamic terrorism and in the case of COVID it's a virus again whether real or not so what what does this do then so it serves the purpose of the political establishment the political so-called elite and um, groups um, that control secret societies and other groups that control the political elite it serves to polarize and um, divide the general public so of course in the days after 9-11 we, we all remember W. Bush's uh, clarion call to the American people well I think it was actually to the population of the world really you're either with us or you're with the terrorists and then of course during COVID-19 we've had you're either with us or you're an anti-vaxxer COVID refusenics now the primary goal is to make the public accept draconian government rules and corporate power and 27 monitoring and surveillance and um, that's the reason why they seek to divide society and create this sort of polarization between um, the, Greek, the, 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 the great and the good and the so-called unwashed. Now another aspect um, of 9-11 and the whole Covid is this aspect of it tends to trigger so this fear dimension tends to trigger unhealed emotional trauma within the general population so the fear of terrorism or a virus of course in essence the fear of death of course uh, that tends to create the need for an external authority figure to sh assume power and um, and to control and to protect us of course so we have the archetypal mummy and daddy government and the health authorities that come to the rescue. So here in the UK, in the UK context, that would be the National Health Service, which really the government have very cleverly and very sneakily, they've basically used the NHS as a Trojan horse for their own authoritarian agenda. So you can't criticise, you're not able to criticise the NHS because in a sense, if you criticise the NHS, then you're almost being unpatriotic. And it really is quite disgusting how they've used the NHS in this way. So, yeah, also another thing, a uh, similarity that we had uh, in the wake for quite a few years, we, um, we had here in the UK, and I'm pretty sure in the States as well, uh, after 9-11, was this kind of um, almost pantomime-like fear scale. So... With COVID, we, in the UK, we've had something called the R rate. Now, I don't know if you have this in your own countries, but this is it's normally somewhere around the figure one, and this is said to track the rate of the rate, the current rate of infection amongst the population. I don't know if there's any sound science behind that. So this is really about upping the fear amongst the general population. Of course, um, in the context of 9-11, in the immediate in the immediate period and the years after that what we had was the so-called terror threat we had this sliding scale from one to five and i don't know which round way round it is but <clears throat> obviously it's about one end being an extreme risk and an imminent risk of a terrorist attack or and at the other end of the scale there being a very low risk so we can see this similarity in the plane on the general public's fear so it's all based psychologically uh, this is the same kind of fear-based psychology sorry in operation by the government and the media and as we know um, we're well aware of this that people living in fear can't think rationally and are constantly activated and triggered due to the nervous system being overstimulated so the release valve um, as we've seen um, since the COVID-19 event 
this sort of unconscious projection onto the non-masked wearing so-called anti-vaxxers you've actually been attacked in malls or in streets <clears throat> or whilst out shopping and, and it really is quite disgusting some of the um, some of the videos we've seen and as with the the war on terror the fear vibration shuts down any critical analysis of broader themes and issues within the general public with regards to personal freedom, sovereignty and the infringement of our basic civil liberties. So what I mean by that is within the narrative of the mainstream media, what you had in the post 9-11 period and now, of course, um, more recently during COVID is that any discussions of or if anyone would come on to a mainstream political show and talk about, you know, having concerns about um, what um, lockdowns mean for our personal freedom, then the journalists will say, well, that, that's a, a sort of an existential question that we don't have time for now because the priority is to defeat the virus. The priority is to get a handle on the virus. You know, in the same time, in the same vein with regards to 9-11, to talk about, you know, any broader discussion in terms of the war on terror, in terms of what it means for more surveillance, more CCTV cameras, it's like, well, we can't talk about things like that. We just have to accept that, we, you know, we just have to accept, and we've seen this during the rise of big tech, we just have to accept that we no longer have anonymity. We no longer have this idea where, whereby we can protect uh, our, um, our own identity, if you like, where we have, um, you know, where we're not being monitored. That's some sort of quaint... Um, something quaint and from the past and that's also what we've seen yeah during um during the whole covid19 it's quite interesting how they um overlap really an important also another important consideration um in terms of 9-11 and the events that happened on that day <coughs> also the alleged plane that was shot down and the alleged plane that hit the Pentagon is why is it or how do the planners of events like 9-11 and COVID-19 orchestrate them in such a way to cause division within society? Because I would argue, and other people do, that these events aren't haphazardly put together. They're deliberately um, planned in such a way to create, um, you know, as much divide and rule um, within those who are seeking truth, seeking uh, alternative narratives within the alt media. So there's this, this sense in which they deliberately create an implausible storyline. So I'll just give you some examples. So with COVID-19, you know, we're told, although that's changing now a bit, so we're told the COVID virus came from a wet market in Wuhan, China. It came from bats and then uh, uh, it spreads to the human population. Now, of course, we know with 9-11, the mainstream narrative claims that Saudi terrorists who failed at a Florida flying school uh, could even fly little Cessna planes, but apparently they hijacked um, some civil planes and then flew them into the Twin Towers. Now, what these two implausible storylines, this creates a division and distrust between the general population, the so-called normies, and those like ourselves who know and have researched in detail about how the world is controlled and manipulated by a small, shadowy, hidden elite. And so basically we get angry with the general public and we think, oh, it's so obvious. Why don't they get it? And um, in the wake of 9-11, we CERN, we've seen the emergence of a very well-known meme, which you guys must all be familiar with. It's the idea of the sheep and the sheeple, or the sleepwalkers, the sleepwalkers. And this really exploded after 9-11. And I, I remember when I was lost down many uh, conspiracy-type rabbit holes. I say that word advisedly now. <laughs> but I didn't realise it's classic divide and rule programming again, of course. It really is. And, you know, uh, I've changed a lot now and I, um, excuse me, the wind's getting up here. But, you know, every the so-called, um, you know, NPCs, non-player characters amongst the general public who have no interest in all of these subjects that we 
we research these fascinating esoteric metaphysical subjects, spiritualism, geopolitics, exopolitics. They have no interest in any of that. That is their right. And, um, you know, we shouldn't label them for being stupid as it as with COVID. As I know it's really difficult, folks, for those, uh, you know, amongst the general population who've taken the poison jib jab. But we have to accept that that's their that's their decision and not and not um, and not label them as sheep, sheeple or, you know, or moronic NPC characters. But, yeah, that's something that's basically why 9-11 fast forward to COVID why to us who seek truth why the storylines see so seem so implausible there's a definite i believe there's a definite divide and rule tactic to that and uh, as i was just saying they're carefully planned and orchestrated in such a way and also there's a divide and rule program within the alt media and so-called truthers truther movement itself in that i noticed myself and perhaps you can relate to this guys that when I was researching 9-11, because 9-11 was my gateway to into the whole um, alternative, it was really my entry into my kind of, I hate to use this word, forgive me, it sounds a little bit egotistical, but I'm going to say, the whole spiritual awakening thing, if you like, my, my entry point was 9-11, perhaps like for a lot of other people, because it's such a significant event. But what I found was when I was researching 9-11, and eventually I got into the work of Dr. Judy Wood, a really eminent uh, researcher, and I got into looking into the no-plane theory, I uh, became very emotionally attached to my particular version of events, or the version of events that I thought were true. And I became very attached, as I say, and I, because I'd invested a lot of time into researching them. Now, the problem is, what can happen with that? I mean, at the time, I wasn't aware of the degree to what to which I hadn't healed my emotional baggage or trauma and how that was playing out as I researched these subject areas and that's when you know we can become I know I did become a bit toxic because I felt that I needed to defend my position if you like and yeah as I was just saying I watched a series of videos called September Clues and this was back on um, back around about 2007 2008 and this was on YouTube. It shows you how much the internet has changed. In that, I mean, that would be that would be banned within a second now, obviously. But back then, it was seemed to be acceptable. Um, yeah, this whole idea of no the no plane theory, and I almost I must admit I became obsessed by it. I think the thing with the no plane theory um, is is because it's such a, a monumental deception, and that's why I just found I found it um, yeah mind blowing. That's why I think I got. Yeah, so emotionally attached. And the other thing, I hope I'm explaining myself here to you guys, is that when some, when you become so, like I did, emotionally attached to something, it almost develops a religiousosity, if that makes any sense. Um, so it was like an article of faith. And I call it like uh, almost, I became a true believer. So in my mind, uh, my litmus test for 9-11 was only those who were of the opinion uh, come to the opinion that there were no planes. Only they, you know, had the real truth. Only they had the divine. The tr only they were the true believers. And I think I was probably critical of those who said, "Oh, that's ridiculous." Of course, there were planes. But you can see with this how you got a division between those, you know, like myself, who were saying, "Well, there's no planes. It's CGI," and then others who were saying, "Well, of course there were planes." Again, it's the divide and rule tactic, even within the alt media, and. The problem is, the problem with this kind of divide and rule program, and there are many other instances. Um, it's not just the whole no no plane theory against those who would think that's r ridiculous. We got the whole issue of, you know, was there a plane uh, at the Pentagon or not? Was it a was it a, a missile? There's many other things that we could look at. But although the problem of focusing in just on one aspect like that of 9/11, like I did, and like lots of people do problem with this is that people can lose sight of the bigger picture with regards to 9-11 because ultimately does it matter if there were planes or not because it had the same impact in terms of the event in terms of what's followed from that particular awful event and I think on an occult level these events are deliberately created to, to sow division and mock the general public 
So the fact, if you want me to use some street language here, the fact they do a really shitty job, you know, they just like, oh my God, it's so obvious. Well, we found, was it Mohammed Atta's passport, uh, you know, the, at, at the base of one of the towers, a fire retardant uh, passport. You know, the fact that they do such a shitty job, this this gaslighting throughout the whole COVID thing, one minute you need to wear the mask, then you, then you don't, all of this ridiculous um, social distancing measures. So there is said to be uh, a whole occult element to this in that the people that plan this almost get some sort of, I don't know, some sort of psychic charge really by fooling the public, by doing a really shitty job. And this is explained in real greater detail by the author Michael Hoffman, who, um, who wrote about this phenomena um, called the revelation of the method and this whole occult aspect. And I can't remember the title of his book, but if you just Google or your own, <laughs> of course, your own uh, choice of search engine, probably don't use Google, the Rev Michael Hoffman, the, revel the revelation of the method, and it will bring his book up. And it goes, this is a whole fascinating area. And back to my last audio, my last episode of Discerning Consciousness podcast, it's this whole thing about why that C-19 US military transporter plane appeared to be faked. And that whole, you know, image that those people running alongside the plane appeared to be faked. So it's all part of that kind of, um, you know, that whole sort of deliberately... Uh, fabricating things to mock the general public who all kind of appear to lap it up. So back to COVID and the divisions within the alt media. So what we've had is in terms of there are those that claim, I think it's the like of David Icke who says, who claims that the virus is a total lie, a fraud, a fabrication, because the actual virus has never been um, isolated in a lab. And then you've got those who believe it's real um, but the severity of its impact is being massively hyped for political gain. So, of course, within the whole COVID narrative in the alt media, you've probably stumbled across this yourself. There's a, there's a divide and rule program running between those who, who believe it's all just a scam, doesn't exist, and those who do, that it's just been exaggerating its impact for political gain. And then you get those who get attached to this idea that it is a total fabrication and a scam and then those who believe it is real they're, they're very critical of them and it is quite sad to watch that when you and to see people's comments who get emotionally t attached to whatever perspective and you see people fighting and you think come on guys and girls we're all on the same team here you know let, let's stick together so it is it's quite sad to 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 witness that and i have to say over the years i've learned to emotionally detach from my opinions really um, because the way I see, like, um, how should we say, perspective, opinions, or let's say beliefs, is I try to hold beliefs, not heavily. You imagine an anvil in your mind. It's a big, heavy thing, isn't it? I try to hold beliefs in my mind or opinions more like a kind of feather, as a kind of light thing that is a work in progress, and I'm always open to constant kind of perspective updates, if you like. And I've learned the hard way that because I was very, very much someone that got triggered if someone's position was opposed to mine. And I've learned and it's, and it's been a long journey and I've learned the hard way that at the end of the day, you know, who am I to say that someone else's perspective is wrong or right? And I'm and I can detach myself. That doesn't mean I don't care anymore, but it's like ultimately you know, at the end of the day, everyone, as I said at the beginning, has the right to their right to their perspective. So, yeah, the other thing is um, that the mainstream media, um, why we need to be careful, I should say, in the alt media is because when we get when we get involved in these battles between those who believe it's a real virus and and, and those who don't, those who believe it's a hoax, the mainstream media then pick up on that. Right. And then they run then they'll run it to create more divide and rule amongst the general population who have no interest in, in you know, in looking at the truth of what's going on. So they'll then claim, the mainstream media will then claim that by definition, anyone who refuses the COVID jab is, is not only a, a COVID refusing, but they're also a COVID denier, which isn't necessarily the case. So we have to be really careful 
um, when we discuss these issues in the alternative media, that we don't fall into traps that have been set by those who've planned, planned this event. You know, and, and also when we comment on other people's content or perhaps when we when we post our own is to be is to not go into attack mode because so often I look um, at um, comments on BitChute and not so much on YouTube much because there isn't really much that's left on YouTube that hasn't been censored so on Rumble and other platforms like that and people are just in attack mode and they're attacking people that essentially you know come on you know they're all on the same side but they just pick out one point and then they attack uh, the person has gone to the trouble to produce content, you know, because it takes a lot of time and dedication and devotion to, to create content. So we need to be careful when we're on online and to be, you know, to, to accept other people and differences of opinion. And yeah, just to pick up on this more, there does tend, there's a trend towards a, a type of tribalism uh, whereby certain types of people in the alt media who are not dealing with their emotional baggage um, take it out and other researchers and commentators who don't hold um, the same opinion as, as them. So that's, um, yeah, I've seen quite a lot of that since COVID-19 COVID event. And that's that's really, um, you know, that is quite, uh, that's quite shocking. It's quite shocking really to witness, to be honest. So I just want to move on really here and look at, so from the perspective of the COVID event and, um, it really does. It does seem as if um, those that planned, obviously, nine eleven and COVID, are no doubt the same group of people. And it would appear as if um, it served their agenda to gain maximum power and control over the world's population. It feels like population of the world metaphorically speaking and i know in the states it depends what state you're in and i know in europe can um sorry get it right denmark has just dropped all their restrictions they've ditched the covid covid passport but here in the uk things are being ramped up so i know it does depend where you are in the world but it does feel generally like the uh, population of the world is being held by the throat you know and we're slowly our, our air is being squeezed out of us so at the end of the day, you know, we need to we need to remember um, we need to remember that when we argue about say things like was there a plane, did a plane fly into the Pentagon or not, or was it um, or was it a missile or not? It's very it's very um, difficult to try and persuade someone the truth of your particular. Um, perspective really and but what we always need to remember is that the modus operandi uh, the main function of the new world order is total asymmetric control of the human population by creating massive fear and confusion and a side effect of all the division and infighting within the old media is that ultimately it deflects attention away from those who were responsible from 9/11 for 9/11 I should say and the covid event so whilst we're attacking one another and point scoring the manipulators and planners of such events are laughing are laughing and this is a very old tactic used by the ruling powers really going back to sumeria and babylon so we lose sight of the common enemy in our midst the parasitic entity which is working through human psychopaths. We see the likes of Trudeau, Macron, Biden, Biden, Biden and Boris Johnson. The parasitic entity which seeks to destroy the human host and that preys on us with such cold efficiency. So in the last section of today's episode, uh, I just want to explore how 9-11 uh, laid the seeds for the COVID event. So in the minds of the general public, um, there still appear to be two very distinct events or happening, not linked in any way. Because within the mainstream, at least, 9-11, the impact of the, on, the, on the population of the world was minimal beyond 
a rising, as I said before, a rising increase intensifying surveillance state, increased monitoring and centralization of power control structures and um, the global economy, wealth falling into a smaller and smaller elite group of hands. So in the main, these processes have been kept, really, they've been kept hidden from the general public in the Western world and not perceived as a direct attack or threat to their freedom or day-to-day -day lives. They may well have had that there's a sense in which life has got far more complicated and bureaucratic, but there's been a relative ease. There's still within society up until COVID-19, there was a relative ease and freedom of movement and access to things like cheap credit and the trinkets and toys has been sustained. So since COVID-19 hit, it's been felt, since there's a shift, it's been felt um, at a very personal level by many, many millions of people. So we'd have careers ending, businesses failing, um, travel, travel bans and, and relationships end, ending. And this has been a sustained event over a long period of time now, more than 18 months since the first UK uh, lockdown. So as an event or a psychological operation, compared to 9-11, it's remained in the public's mind for mu a much longer period of time, even within the general populace, the so-called mainstream narrative. More people are starting to question it, starting to question what is happening. And typically with things like incidents like um, Sandy Hook, um, sort of fake terrorist attacks, psychological operations, and such as, um, say, high school shootings, the Boston bombing, etc. We have a single event, and then within days, the mainstream media has shifted focus, has shifted the attention of the general public to other things, so their minds move, and, and they almost forget. But with COVID, how this is different, and how this is almost... At the same time, an amplification of what happened on 9-11. Um, it's, it's, it's slightly different because 9-11, eventually, these narratives, they did peter out and um, the mainstream news moved on. Their agenda moved on. OK, the war on terror was still in the background, but not like COVID in the news every single day for months and years. But with COVID, this is very different because, and from the perspective of the planners of this event and the power structures behind it, it's far more risky because now their agenda is becoming so blatantly obvious. It's like the mask is being revealed. And there's now a 24-7 sustained psychological operation designed to break the will of the people. Um, so that they eventually ex accept, willingly accept state tyranny. Now we saw that in microcosm in the post 9-11 period, but now this has been amplified and played it, played out day after day since the COVID-19 event first appeared. And as I said earlier, this really does constitute the so-called Third World War or a war on consciousness. So I guess from the viewpoint of the elite, they can see that there are high rewards from this high-risk strategy, if you will. <clears throat> but I believe, uh, coming towards the end of uh, my discussion today, that ultimately, at the end of the day, hard direct power, as we see uh, through historical precedents, always exposes itself and, 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 and ultimately fails, really. So I'm just going to um, round things up. In today's episode uh, by way of a conclusion so I've explained that 9-11 um, was uh, the starting point for the rollout of a global tyrannical system if you like or the new world order and in the immediate weeks um, we've seen we've seen many of the psychological manipulations that have been employed since the start of Covid uh, and eventually um, the ruling elite were always going to uh, run out of enemies to combat, as we, um, as I was saying with the likes of um, what Gore Vidal was talking about. So they were always going to run out of enemies to combat abroad in places like the Middle East. So that meant that they were going to turn their proverbial guns on us, if you like, 
the general population of the world. And that's another shift from 9-11 really, whereby the 20 years since 9-11 we had this the war on terror and the attack on so-called foreign enemies. And since the, 19, the COVID-19 event, what we've seen is the principal focus is by the uh, elite power structures is turning their guns directly upon the populations of their own uh, of their own country and that's what we can all see and of course as I mentioned in my last episode this is obviously symbolized by the Taliban taking control within Afghanistan and it as I say again it kind of books bookmarks this 20 year this 20 year period of history whereby the American Empire now is basically in free fall and a lot of Western governments around the world are now turning their attention, as I just said, to um, enslaving their own population at home. So I think I'll leave things, um, I think I'll round things up there for now. So um, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you've, um, I hope you've got, uh, you've enjoyed what I've been sharing and some of the points have resonated with you in terms of how 9-11 and the COVID-19 uh, events are linked and some of the some of the theme, themes and narratives um, that link them all as well. So I hope you're all um, doing well um, during these rather challenging times at the moment because I know it's it's really difficult. Uh, we might be facing challenging challenges within our own family if we're refusing to take uh, the jab and we're being singled out and of course the media are turning turning their guns on us but anyway um yeah make sure you uh take it easy and i will speak to you all again very soon bye for now